Diversity of ideas is harder than it looks. Welcome to Innovation for All, conversations on the social impact of innovation with your host, Jaina Alkvist. Hello, I am your host, Shana Alkvist, here with a very special bonus episode of Innovation for All. So with 2019 coming to a close and 2020 beginning, I wanted to take an opportunity to reflect on some of the conversations we've had so far. So in today's episode, rather than a typical interview where I speak at length with a single guest, this episode's a little different. I've reached out to a few of my favorite guests from 2019 and asked them to answer two key questions. First, What's the biggest news in their field since 2019, since we recorded the podcast? I love that these podcasts are designed to be evergreen, that they're they're not really supposed to be tied to the news of the week. But sometimes it's nice to have a little update of what's changed since this recorded. And second, every guest was asked to look ahead to 2020. What's something that's been missing from the conversation that they'd like to see gain more interest in the coming year? This episode features a lot of great guests returning, and so just in case you hear something that you you find really interesting, maybe it's a guest you didn't hear before, this is the first time you're hearing them. If you'd like to listen to their full episode, we're putting their name and links to their full interviews in the show notes. In case you haven't visited it yet, our show notes are posted for every episode at innovationforallcast.com. That's innovationforallcast.com. And last but not least, before we get started, I did ask my guests to record their answers sort of on the fly. So please excuse any varying audio quality from guest to guest. I assure you, the content they are sharing is well worth any audio snafus. Lastly, what did you think of this episode? Do you like hearing from former guests? Do you want people to come back for round twos? Do you like this sort of short but sweet format? Do you really dislike it? I'd love to hear your perspective. You can shoot me an email by visiting our website at innovationforallcast.com. And without further ado, please enjoy some of my favorite guests looking ahead to 2020. Hi, this is Rina Jana, and I lead content strategy for responsible innovation at Google. It's a slightly different position and role that I had the first time I was on the Innovation for All podcast earlier in 2019, and I'm really, really excited to be in this role for 2020. Basically, responsible innovation is exactly what it sounds like. It's creating AI systems, machine learning systems, advanced technologies that are socially beneficial, that are inclusive, that keep people's security and privacy top of mind, that are created with scientific rigor. And what my team will be doing is creating resources, platforms, and programs for anyone around the world to be able to innovate responsibly. So in my opinion, the biggest trend for that surfaced in 2019 was around frameworks. Frameworks like, for example, the AI principles that we released at Google in 2018, but in 2019, we've accomplished like a full year of having those principles out in the world. And we've seen our peers across the tech industry release principles as well. And we've also seen cross-industry partnerships bring these companies together, Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, IBM, and other industry organizations coming together and look at how 
together, we can create frameworks to help people responsibly innovate and create new technology that is helpful, that keeps people's needs and um, concerns top of mind and where we can co-create as well. One example is a, a framework that researchers at Google released in 2019 called Model Cards, which are basically like a nutritional label for machine learning models. And not only has this been released as research as part of an offering from Google Cloud, but also we've seen the partnership for AI, which again is a cross-industry organization and another organization called OpenAI, basically adapt this type of framework to create more transparency around AI systems and machine learning models. So to me, this is a really exciting trend that we've seen surface um, really strongly in 2019, in my opinion, and one that's going to continue in 2020. So another trend that I hope gets even more interest in 2020, in my opinion, is just more people participating in the creation of responsible, transparent, interpretable, explainable AI systems and machine learning systems. So what that means is um, having practitioners across industries from healthcare, banking, transportation, education, culture even, really taking a more participatory role in um, developing frameworks, developing uh, systems, again, testing systems, uh, really expressing their needs in terms of what they expect from AI and ML systems, as well as people who aren't technical, sort of learning more about how AI works, how they can participate in designing and developing machine learning systems as well. So one way that anyone can get started in terms of learning more about training machine learning models is to go to teachablemachine.withgoogle.com. It's a, a really fun and engaging game where anyone around the world, you don't need any coding skills, can play around with training a machine learning model and learn the basics of how AI systems and machine learning works in terms of, of training a machine learning algorithm. So I think in 2020, we're going to see more transparent and engaging content like this come out into the world. And I'm really looking forward to seeing more people participate and co-create with us. So thanks so much for having me on Innovation for All and Happy New Year. My name is Josh Lovejoy. I lead design for a team called Ethics and Society at Microsoft. Our mission is to figure out how we can be way more intentional about the technologies that we build. And we do that by partnering and co-creating directly with product teams uh, way ahead of when they're going to ship. So we can figure out how we can be way more intentional and human-centered from the outset, uh, rather than trying to put the, the genie back in the bottle, so to speak. I think one of the standout stories for me from 2019, sort of patterns of stories was about people waking up to the realization of how much human involvement goes into improving AI systems and specifically in the context of speech. So there are a whole series of articles exposing the role of human transcribers, folks that listen to recordings from your Google Assistant or your Alexa or services that Facebook and Microsoft and many others are running 
who will listen to a recording and transcribe it. And that's used to improve the accuracy of those systems. But there's been this really strange disconnect or jargon calling it like, you're going to use your data for improving products or for you know, making our systems more accurate. But for the general public, that, that didn't really come across as the potential of a stranger of a person listening in to your conversations. So that growing awakening and awareness, I think is really, really important. As we go into this next year, people should be designing with the expectation that those they serve, you know, those they are designing for and are creating products for, they have the right to know what happens to their data. And we should expect that they're going to learn what happens to their data one way or another. And we should build with integrity from the outset describe to them in plain spoken terms so that they can evaluate the value exchange, you know, what they get in return for the data that they give up. I think we're, we're at a turning point in the expectations that people should have of these big tech companies. We're over I think that first wave of just, this is so new and we don't know how to describe it. And now I think we as technologists can start empowering our users with the right language and the right questions to hold these big companies accountable. That's really exciting. Have you ever been in a meeting where your team disagreed about the best course of action? Maybe you didn't know which message best resonates with your audience or exactly who your customers are, or maybe which features they want you to build. Customer research from an impartial third party can offer the clarity you need. That's why PhD Insights offers customer research delivered. Customer research delivered uses a five-step process to apply customer research to answer your pressing business problem. Within four weeks, they'll design, host, deploy, and analyze a quantitative study so you can make better decisions to keep your business growing. Learn more about customer research delivered by visiting phd-insights.com. That's phd-insights.com. My name is Sherry Hamby, and I'm Research Professor of Psychology at the University of the South and the Director of the LifePaths Research Center. The biggest news in my field has probably been the mainstreaming of ACEs research. ACEs, or Adverse Childhood Experiences, focuses on the total burden of trauma instead of just one type, such as child abuse or bullying. We now realize that trauma is best thought of in terms of the total dose that each of us gets over the course of our lifetimes. This has revolutionized many scientific fields, but this year it really broke through to the mainstream. Here in Tennessee, ACES has become a focus of many state programs, and for the first time, there was a specific line to address ACES in the Congressional Budget Proposal in the U.S. Important shifts are happening regarding the ways we think about places. In my interview on your podcast, we spoke about Appalachia and understanding how Appalachians resist and navigate technology. This is part of an emerging literature on place-based psychology that I hope will continue to grow. Place-based approaches look at factors such as how people's ways of dwelling are influenced by the geographic features of their environment. In the case of Appalachia, one example is the way that the mountainous terrain interrupts cell tower signals. 
A focus on places is also shifting how we understand resilience, which shouldn't just focus on individuals, but include the bigger picture about how we all come together to form communities in specific geographic settings. Hello, Innovation for All. My name is Wendy De La Rosa. I am a behavioral scientist, and I focus on using behavioral science to help people make better financial decisions. The biggest issue in 2019 that advocates for low and moderate income families are working towards and are focused on is the constant attack on the SNAP program, otherwise known as the food stamp program in the United States. For those of you who may not be aware, roughly 38 million Americans rely on the SNAP program in order to get vouchers to get food. These vouchers can only be used at grocery stores or supermarkets, and you can only buy food with them for a temporary period of time, typically three to six months. Under the Trump administration, however, there's been a constant set of proposals to try to reduce the number of people who have access to this great and beneficial program. For example, one proposal essentially would penalize anybody who has any amount of savings. Anybody who knows what it's like to be out of a job, what it's like to be down on your luck, you understand that at some point you rely on your savings in order to pay your rent and to go look for other work. And so it's making it harder for people who are already down on their luck to fundamentally get access for food. You know, proponents of, of this change will say that they're just trying to fix fraud. But all of the data shows that less than 1% of people on SNAP commit fraud because really this is a program that poor, low-income families need. You know, SNAP has been associated with reducing poverty rates, reducing food instability rates. And so it's a program that we really have to fight as a society for because, you know, the reality is it's about one in seven Americans will be eligible for SNAP at any point in their lifetime. We all have periods of time where life just doesn't work out for us. And so we want to make sure that a society were there for people on a temporary basis, which is what SNAP is. You know, another one of these proposals that has come out of the Trump administration has been making it harder for people to be eligible if they have an ability to work. Now, one of the things that I think we have to recognize is that half of Americans are employed in low-income jobs, making roughly $18,000 a year. Even if you are employed, and you're making $18,000 a year, there's no way that you can support a family or support yourself on that amount of money without ever running into food insecurity issues. So fighting for the integrity of the SNAP program in 2019 has been a focus for advocates who fight for low and moderate income families. Another big news for our field has been Dick Thaler winning the Nobel Prize in Economics this year. That was pretty amazing news for the field. It solidified the marriage between psychology and economics. It solidified our field, solidified our findings. The fact that people don't always follow standard rational economic form. And so that was amazing. 
something that's been missing from the conversation. And I hope that many advocates, fintech, product managers and engineers, and even researchers start to focus on is the impact of how payment frequency changes our spending patterns. And so if you look around at the industry, there's this proliferation of what I call daily pay businesses. Businesses that allow large employers or even small employers to pay their employees on a daily basis, sometimes even multiple times a day. Now, from a cursory perspective, that may seem like an amazing thing, right? Like why should a low-income worker give a 0% loan to a large employer for a week or two weeks until they actually get access to their paycheck? And it could potentially also change or reduce the number of overdrafts that people see, right? Because they don't no longer have to wait for their paycheck. But, you know, if you fundamentally understand human behavior, you also start to recognize that when you change the environment, you also change other types of behaviors like spending. And so one of the research projects that we're kicking off right now is essentially showing that when people have access to daily pay, right, when I can get my paycheck every single day, even though I'm making the same amount, people tend to spend more. Right, because now all of a sudden you feel artificially richer. You always have money in your account. And so you can always spend. And so as we think about the welfare of low and moderate income people, I think we have to think about it from a holistic and behavioral point of view. Right. So that's something that I think has been missing from the conversation. And I hope that many more researchers start to focus on. Do you support having more diversity of ideas in business? I invite you to subscribe to Innovation for All on iTunes or your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you to our producer, Nia Taylor, our audio engineer, Dave Visaya, and Rachel Shea, who compiles our show notes. You can view show notes from this and every episode at innovationforallcast.com. All words, no numbers. And in case you didn't know, we're on social. Feel free to tweet us at InForAllPodcast.com all words, no numbers, on your favorite social platform.